In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Athanasian Creed draws two pretty dark lines in the sand between Christianity and the false religion of the world. And I lump all of them all together because all of them share the same thing in common. They're all false. There are two kinds of religion in the world, Christianity and everything else. That first line that I want to kind of highlight says this. Whoever desires to be saved must, above all, hold the Catholic faith. Whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. More simply put, to be a Christian, you must worship the true God, who is one God, and yet also who reveals himself to us as three persons. There are not three gods, but there is one God. One God in three persons, Trinity. When we hold this statement up to the scriptures for comparison, we see that this is, in fact, a confession of what the Bible actually says. So here are some examples from the scriptures. Genesis 1 says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Hebrew word for God here is Elohim, which is a plural Hebrew word. God, Elohim, that's a plural word again, as in the plural for what we call the angels. So you heard in the reading from Isaiah a reference to the seraphim. If there's just one of them, it's just a seraph, but if there's two or more, it's seraphim. Again, so the word Elohim is plural. But the verb there, you'd expect a verb to agree with it. So you might say, Pastor McKinley uh, it, it is going to the store, right? That's a singular noun with a singular verb. You didn't think you were going to get a grammar lesson today, did you? It's better than a math lesson, though. Now, if you had two people going to the store, you, say, you might say, Pastor McKinley and Andrea. You don't say, Pastor McKinley and Andrea is going to the store. You change it to a plural verb. Pastor McKinley and Andrea are going to the store. So you would expect, with a plural noun like Elohim, when it says God created the heavens and the earth, you would expect the Hebrew verb there to be plural, because Elohim, again, is plural. However, when Moses records this, the word for create is actually a singular verb, a singular verb going with a plural noun, a hint in the grammar of Genesis 1 of the Trinity. In the blessing, uh, in the same, later on in that same chapter, God speaks when he creates man. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Notice again the plural, the word us is there. In the blessing that the Lord gives to Aaron to put upon the people of Israel, we use that at the end of our divine service, note the threefold use of the word Lord there. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord 
make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. We sing the angels song from Isaiah 6 in our liturgy that sings that God is holy, holy, holy. A threefold use of that word. Jesus in the New Testament says that he is one with the Father, that he and the Father also both send the Holy Spirit to his people. We see the full revelation of the Trinity at Jesus' baptism. As the Father speaks to the Son, who's standing there in the Jordan River, and the Holy Spirit descends upon the Son to anoint him as the Christ in the form of a dove. Jesus then commands the church at the end of his earthly ministry to baptize. Now note the singular here in the name, not in the names, but in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. St. John sums up all of this rather nicely in his first epistle when he says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. You cannot have the true God without the Trinity of Persons. This is why our liturgy and our hymnody are so full of the references to the Trinity. It is a confession of the true God as he has revealed himself to us. Whoever does not worship that God does not have the one true God. And as Jesus says in John 17, to know this God and his son Jesus is to have eternal life. There is no life apart from faith in the one true God. That's the first line in the sand, that we must confess that God is one God in three persons. The second line in the sand between authentic Christianity and all false religion is to believe in the incarnation of the Son, Jesus, and the resulting doctrine that there are two natures in Christ, that he is both fully God and fully man. As the Creed put it, it is necessary for everlasting salvation that one faithfully believe the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is the right faith that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is at the same time both God and man. Again, we see this teaching all throughout Scripture. God tells us, or tells man, that he was made in the likeness and the image of God. The Lutheran confessions rightly point to this verse to tell us what we were like before the fall into sin. That we were righteous, like God, before the fall. But there's another thing that's being implied by this verse that we don't simply want to skip over. This seems to be a reference already in Genesis 1 to the forthcoming incarnation of Jesus, even before the fall into sin happens. St. Paul says of Jesus in, Coloss or in, yeah, in Colossians chapter 1, he is the invisible image, or he is the image of the invisible God. 
It's the same Greek word in both places, that man is made in the image of God and that Jesus is the image of the invisible Father. They are the same word. This tells us that the incarnation of Jesus was already part of God's saving plan even before the fall happened. We look the way that we do because God already knew before he had created anything what the likeness of Christ would be when he entered into creation. We also have the, the proof from Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis 3, God makes the promise that he's going to send one born of a woman, born under the law, to crush the serpent's head, who will then bruise his heel also. And the first time Eve has a child, she says in the Hebrew, I have gotten a man, the Lord. She believes that her firstborn son is the Christ, that he's God that has come into the world to save them. She jumped the gun a little bit, but we see what she believed about God's word. So we see that Jesus is fully God and fully man from the Old Testament. St. Paul goes on to say in his letter to the Colossians, In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. When Jesus became a man, he did not cease to be God. During his earthly ministry, Jesus even claimed this divinity for himself. In John 5, the gospel writer tells us that Jesus calls God Father, which then makes him equal with God. The Jews' reaction to this statement was that they began the plot to kill Jesus right then and there for blasphemy, for saying that he is God. Jesus, while he was in his incarnate flesh in Matthew 28, says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is a claim to omnipotence, to being almighty, as the creed put it, to being all-powerful, a claim that only God can make. When Jesus ascended, as recorded in Mark 16, Luke 24, and Acts chapter 1, he ascended into heaven bodily to sit down at the right hand of God, a place that's reserved only for God. He took his humanity with him into heaven, and he will return with it in the same way that he went up into heaven on the last day, with his humanity. So these two claims, that God is three in one and one in three, that Jesus is true God and true man in one Christ. These two beliefs are central to the Christian faith. We cannot simply discard them, though many groups that still claim the name Christian try to do it. So this leaves out the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Unitarians. We don't say this to degrade these groups. But it is important to believe and confess what the scriptures actually teach. Otherwise, we cannot really claim belief in the God who saves us. These other groups offer a completely different God than the God of the Bible. And that God cannot save you. But you, dear saints, you do have the one true God. We sit here in Trinity 
Lutheran church dedicated to the glory of the triune God. This God, he has put his name upon you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the waters of holy baptism. He's given you the new birth of water and the Spirit so that you can see and enter into the kingdom of God. He has shown you his love by sending his son to become a man in order to die on the cross to rescue you from sin and from death. The Trinity is not some abstract theological concept that's only for study and discussion among trained theologians. He is, in fact, a God who loves you, who has expressed this love for you in sending his son that you might not enter into judgment, but that you would have eternal life through him. Yes, we confess that God is one, that he exists as three divine persons. Yes, we confess that Jesus is fully God and fully man in one Christ. We confess these things because they are the truth that the scriptures reveal to us. But we also confess these things because by faith in this God, who has sent his son to be our savior, we have eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.